0: This episode of the How to Play Quidditch podcast is sponsored by Subletime. Find it on Facebook and at subletime.com. Custom printing, including jerseys for your Quidditch team.
1: A behind the back, no look throw by Augie Monroe over the area. He's swimming around the perimeter here. He takes a shot and it lays short.
0: Welcome to the How to Play Quidditch podcast. I'm your host, Alejo Enriquez. I'm going to talk today about Quidditch as a sport in the same way that someone uh, who talks about a sport like soccer or football or uh, basketball or anything talks about it and not as if they're playing it. Now, obviously, if you play basketball, you might talk about setting screens, pick and rolls, technical language, shooting percentage. But if you uh, don't play it, you're not coaching it, you're not deeply, like, um, constantly. Uh, you know, consumed by the mechanics of it, and you just have a favorite team you like to follow, then you're going to engage with that sport differently. You're going to engage with it in more of a sense that you uh, are fed uh, sports media. You, you, you read on, on Twitter or on the news or uh, TV or something about your team. You get to watch the games, and you have the commentary uh, of the games that kind of helps you understand what it is that, that's going on in that sport um, because you're not necessarily a student of the game. And so this is a very important role that someone has to play. Obviously, since basketball and football and soccer have been around for a long time, uh, there's a large body of, of people who uh, have been in the sport but also understand the communications uh, aspect of, of communicating the sport and there's a lot of money in these sports to, to pay these people to just talk on TV for a living. There's no such thing in Quidditch. We don't have money set aside and people who've been doing Quidditch for 20 years and also have a communications degree to to, to explain it to us. We just got to make do with, with the people in the sport who happen to be good at that sort of thing. And so I'm very lucky today to be joined by uh, a member of the Quidditch community who is very familiar with... Uh, sports broadcasting, sports media, sports journalism, because he does it for a living, but he also does it for Quidditch, and he brings an air of professionalism and an insight that I think is rare. And if you are um, in the Southwest, in USQ Southwest, you'll know who I'm talking about, but if not, you're about to be introduced to uh, this person, who I'm very excited to pick his brain today about how to be a better broadcaster, how to talk Quidditch in such a way that... Uh, it can bring it to the masses and educate people. So, without further ado, I'd like to introduce the chaser for the Houston Cosmos and creator of the Quaffle Life podcast. Please welcome Ashton Jean Lewis. If that sun would have just hung up in that sky, just a little bit, yeah, just a little bit longer. Hey, Ashton, thanks for coming on the show today.
1: Hey, no problem, Alejo, anytime, oh, man. Yeah,
0: appreciate it. So uh, as you uh, may know, I like to always ask some questions to uh, so the audience can get to know you a little bit. Uh, for those who don't know, Ashton, uh, big figure here in the Southwest, uh, love to uh, love to hear his commentary, um, live stream media, and so forth. You might have heard him at the MLQ Championships, isn't that right?
1: Yeah, that was a, that was an interesting weekend, man. It was first of all blazing hot. It felt <laughs> like it was 112 out there. Um, we were lucky because we didn't have to play on uh, artificial turf or us, it probably would have been 112, oh but uh, it was really fun uh, at the MLQ championships, man. Uh, and, you know, it was just a little disappointing because I, I, you know, I wanted to of course be on the roster for the league city legends. And uh, that's my goal coming up here in a couple of weeks to make the roster, uh, to make the roster this season. Uh, But I was on the practice squad, which gave me the opportunity to be a part of uh, what they're all about, man. And, and, and you know, if it wasn't Virginia, I would have never gotten this whole chance to do, any of this Quidditch commentary and have a chance to, you know, just kind of help publicize this sport uh, that I've grown to love a lot in about a year and a half that I've been in it. That's great.
0: I am going to get to that in a little bit. But first, I want to give the audience a little chance to get to know you a little bit better. So I got three questions for you. First one up. uh, What is a moment of personal triumph for you in Quidditch? And it could be on the pitch, on the sideline or anything relating to the sport.
1: Uh my first tackle was kind of a big deal for me cuz uh I'm not very useful on offense for the most part and um I I you know my first tackle was like a big deal cuz I Literally, I, I didn't realize like how big a deal it is for a guy who's like three hundred plus pounds to be playing point chaser, which is my position for the Houston Cosmos. And you know, hopefully that changes soon that somebody else steps up and is able to take that role. Uh, but my first tackle, I think, was at Battle. Uh, no, it was at Breakfast Taco, and it was against Baylor, and we actually won that oh, game. Nice. So it was like the first win in Cosmos history in our first tournament ever. Uh, it was against, uh, I think, it, it, I think it was Oso's Oh my gosh, or I was whatever. at that game, and uh, of course. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think you were like goal refing or something like that, no, right? You, yeah, you're talking. You, uh, it was it was an interesting game. You no, know, you're talking about not
0: not this last fall, of 2017. You mean fall of 2016, right? Because some of the Spartans, yeah, yeah, exactly. the Spartans, came and played with you guys. I was on that team.
1: Yeah, exactly. You guys made the really dope Cosmos <laughs> shirts, man. Uh, my uh, what is it? Brian still has his. Cameron still has his. Uh, and you know, me and, me and Kevin had the dry fit, uh, blue Navy blue shirts or whatever. And and at the end of the day, I was like, yo, that'd be pretty dope. But that was like our Jersey at the end of the day. But, uh, you know, things had different plans and stuff like that. But Alejo, you, uh, you put Matt work into those shirts, man. That was (laughs) pretty dope. Uh, and it was cool. I mean, it was the first rendition of the Victoria Spartans and we literally had like 30 plus people on the sidelines for us for breakfast tacos. So it was pretty fun. Uh and and like you said man we we got that win I think it was like seventy to fifty or something yeah, like that yeah uh, I, I run the Houston Cosmos Instagram page and I did like Throwback Thursday one time and it was a picture of us winning that game so that was pretty oh fun yes. man yeah
0: um I didn't know that was your first game um but yeah I was there I was playing beater I was toying with the Ozos beaters for a while that was fun um man that's really cool. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, playing. Uh, that was at the time I had no idea what to use. Like I was like, what are these guys? Like these guys with the dodgeball? They're useless. I'm trying to trying to go out here and play defense. And uh, little did I know, beaters would come to become the very bane of my existence. So um, yeah, and it, 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 it was interesting, man. That was definitely my first match as a Quidditch player, and it was a lot of fun. And uh, it got me into it a lot too. And then I met, of course, I had. I, there was the first time meeting a lot of my awesome teammates uh like tyler walker and all those guys like that uh who would eventually who i would eventually get to know uh, you know still my teammates to this day so it was pretty oh, fun that's man awesome
0: that's great dude all right so i have your next question for you what is the most epic quidditch moment you ever bore witness to without being directly involved in it? meaning meaning you weren't playing in that moment i'm sure as a as a commentator you've you've seen many epic moments
1: um last summer I got the witness to witness the fall of the Boston Knight Riders, which was interesting because they had lost their first match ever and they actually suicide grabbed against outlaws. And it was uh, you know, it, it was wild to think about just in general. Um but my definitely my eye opening Quidditch moment was um one hundred percent when we were at throw me something. Uh, throw Me Something, Mister, which is a tournament that Gulf Coast Gumbo, a community team from last year that was just like the Louisiana community team players. Uh, they're currently – the current rendition of them is Bar QC, uh, Baton yeah. Rougey Quidditch Club, but they should just go by their acronym, Bar QC. Um, but anyway, they, uh, they Gulf Coast Gumbo was playing against the LA Gambits, which, by the way, great foreshadowing. They eventually played the Gambits again at Nationals and upset the West oh, Regional man. champion. Anyway, um, uh, Gambits and Gumbo were playing each other, and it was the moment where I realized that there's, like, a higher level of Quidditch that I have yet to touch, that I have yet to understand, and it was – it looked like the LA Gambits were in perfect sync with one another, and the Gumbo – uh, Gumbo basically fought tooth and nail to not only get back into that game, but to eventually get it to a point where it was a snitch grab. And it was the most dramatic quidditch match I had ever seen before. And I was just like, wow, I got a long way to go. It was that moment. Like, And Tad Walters was on that team. Uh, T-Rod, Tony Rodriguez is on that team and a lot of other. Uh, Justine, who doesn't play anymore because she just had a kid. And she moved to Ohio, so hopefully somebody – hopefully Ohio Glory finds her, and they track her down so they can get her back into the Oh, I
0: didn't know that. Yeah, uh, because
1: she – you know, her and her husband – yeah, she moved to Ohio. Her and her husband are uh, out there, and they have a kid and everything like that. So hopefully in about a year or two or maybe or something like that, they'll be back on the pitch and playing because they're both really, really talented. Uh, And Justine has a rugby background. You don't get too many female chasers who are tough like Justine is because they would send her to go – Uh, man up against the best off ball chaser for a lot of other teams and she would lock them up pretty easily so uh, hopefully she can get back out there on the pitch but uh, the LA Gambit's They're still, you know, they're still a powerhouse program out where they are. Lost Boys is a little bit better than them this year. Uh, But nonetheless, it was it was the eye opening moment. L.A. Gambits taking on Gumbo at Throw Me Something, Mr. That um, easily was the best game of the entire day. The Gambits eventually won the tournament, but it was still the best game I had ever seen at the time. And it took my understanding of Quidditch to a whole nother level. That's cool.
0: Yeah, that's a that's quite it. That's quite a story. There's a lot, and it's fun to see, like as we go on through time, some of these players change. Like you said, Justine, I didn't know that she's out in Ohio now. Cleveland Riff might, if she gets back in by the summer, she could play for Riff possibly. See maybe for Ohio Glory next year. That's really
1: cool. Yeah. Yeah, and exactly. Yeah, you know, Justine's all about hitting the gym, so she'll be she'll be ready to get back out there. She'll probably be the most conditioned person. <laughs> Uh, out there on the team and she just had a kid like oh, seven I believe, months ago. I believe so, it. Oh yeah. man,
0: she's a warrior for sure. All right, great. So third question, who is someone in the Quidditch community that you look up to?
1: Uh, you know, when I first got started, The there was a team in particular that kind of looked up to because the way I got into Quidditch was watching the documentary Mudbloods, which, by the way, uh, they pulled it off Netflix. So hopefully they can find some other place where they can put it. But Mudbloods inspired me to get into Quidditch. So the UCLA Quidditch team has always got like a special place in my heart kind of deal because they got me into Quidditch and uh, I've actually seen them twice. And never gotten a chance to play against them. And we actually saw them at Wolfpack. They usually make it out for whatever tournament is in New Orleans because they like to go and get smimmered <laughs> after the tournament is over uh, the following day. Because they, they fly there, so they don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be uh, sober or whatever to get back <laughs> home. So that's uh, – they, they have a lot of fun. Uh, this rendition of the team, they, uh, you know – they're very different than the team that they were 10 years ago they were a bunch of kids running around on the pitch 10 years ago now they're one of the most one now they're one of the premier quidditch programs not only in the west but across the country uh them and cal are looking really good this year uh i don't know how many people they're going to be bringing the nationals to round rock but they uh they brought a good chunk of people they got a lot of athletes they got some they they play uh with an intensity that you would dare say it's very Southwest-like. So UCLA Quidditch because they got me into uh, got me into Quidditch. By the way, same thing I can say about the Nomads. I don't know if you watch them play Alejo. Um, they're considered the dirtiest team in Quidditch, but I like the way that they play because they they uh, they hit first and ask questions.
0: <laughs> I haven't gotten a chance to see them, but I've read some of the literature and and listen to podcasts about them that's (laughs) yeah playing like a southwest team is a high high praise these days around here it's so funny that the southwest was so dominant for a stretch and then it kind of tailed off when the, the finals that year that boston and rochester were in the finals and everyone was kind of like wow is the southwest done and now they're just back to being the dominant force in quidditch again not that not that there aren't good teams across the yeah, country, and it's not sure, even like you just said.
1: And, and Alejo, just I mean, you, and it's not just the top teams in the Southwest that are getting it done. It's top to bottom, like you talk about. Uh, just just off the at large bids, if you go look at the at large bids uh, for this upcoming Nationals, out of the eighty eight teams, I think it, I think I wrote it down. It's like seven. It's uh, like twenty something percent of the teams going to Nationals are out of the Southwest. <laughs> So, yeah, and they, they all earned it. The Sharknadoes, uh, Death Row is going. A lot of my good friends play on Death Row. Uh, Jay is going to be out there. They're going to a lot of teams and a lot of players. And this is sad to say, Alejo, from what I understand, um, you, I don't know if you listened to my episode with Travis Ward when we were at the after party after they qualified for nationals by beating Baylor twice, but... Basically, what it came down to is we at regionals, we t- every player we talked to, a lot of players we talked to were just like, oh, I'm retiring after this. Oh, I'm done after this season is over, man. I, I, don't think I, I don't think I got any more in me. And you know how that goes, Leo. There are plenty of guys who are um, they're on their third last season, yeah. right? Like they've been, they keep saying they're done until they're actually done. Uh, most of Valkyrie says they're going to be done after this year, uh, which is a little disappointing because they were one of my favorite teams to play against throughout the course of this year. And we have a mutual respect. Uh, for one another, yeah. you know what I mean? Oh, that's too and bad if they're done. I'm just getting started in this, and a lot of my team... What's oh, up, Tony? I just
0: said that I, that's a real shame if, if most of Valkyrie is done. That That's going to really hurt Oklahoma and Arkansas Quidditch. You know, for someone who's always dedicated myself to spreading yeah, the sport, and- that's, uh, that's a setback for sure.
1: And, you know, they were uh, they were one of my favorite teams to play against and one of my favorite teams to talk about because they play vast majority of the season with no subs. And and basically they were one hand away from being able to go to Nationals. They would have been in that large team if they would have been able to field a full team. Uh, But sadly, Jade had to get surgery on her hand and uh, hopefully she's going to have a speedy recovery because uh, she's. I mean, she's really good. She's a really good Quidditch player, her and Lizzie. Lizzie broke oh, her yeah. collarbone earlier that this year. Cup, and uh hope both, hope both of them are back on the pitch yeah. ASAP.
0: Oh, jeez. Yeah, I remember Lizzie broke her collarbone right at Thermopylae Cup. I was there. I saw it. That's awful. Yeah, hopefully they hopefully they get back they get yeah, up, you know, it, fall down yeah. 10 times, get up 11. You know, I hope that they're back in the sport again. Poor Lizzie seems to always find herself on teams with, like, no girls. Man.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, of course, uh, the Houston Cosmos are trying to recruit her. There's no doubt about that. So, Liz, if you watch this, uh, we got a jersey for you. Make sure you come out. Uh, but anyway, uh, like I was saying, the theme for this, ter- uh, the theme for national seems like it's retirement, man. And it's really disappointing because there's a lot of good players who probably are not going to be playing after this season, uh, after this is over. And Travis was just like the big part of why a lot of those players are playing their final year this year. Is because it's finally in Texas. Like the championship is finally in Texas, and they want to go out on top in their home state that they help. They put so much effort into building the name of the uh, building the name of Southwest, and it's very fitting that a lot of players are done after this year if they hoist the trophy or if they play at nationals. Like Duquette, he says he's done. If Lone Star wins the national championship, Duquette says he's done playing Coyotes. So.
0: Well, I just have to uh, selfishly hope that most of these players who think they're done uh, don't get what they want and they play another year because it's a blessing to have them playing Quidditch. But that's also just part of why having developmental programs, college programs, having D2 Quidditch tournaments is so important just to give these new players, to get recruitment, to get new players in to replace the old. Because, yeah, retirement is always going to be part of a sport, any sport, especially when it's physical as Quidditch.
1: Right. Exactly. When I mean, the pain that I felt after my first season of Quidditch after every single tournament is just ridiculous. I play college football and it uh, the pain I felt after Quidditch is nothing compared to what I felt after college football. So it, it was ridiculous, man. But I, yeah, like you said, Alejo, it's a tough sport, man. And a lot of people are going to be gone. It's going to be a bummer because there's a lot of people that I've, uh, you know, I've grown accustomed to hanging out with and there are a lot of cool people and it's going to suck when I don't see them at tournaments anymore, man.
0: Well, hopefully some of them will come back for a new team, you know, you know, hope. Right. All right. So, uh, as I've teased, as I've alluded to before, Ashton is uh, here because of his, uh, notoriety, I guess. Notoriety maybe doesn't have the right connotation, but, uh, uh, Ashton is well known for his, uh, commentary and uh you know and on on uh Quidditch live streams and so forth. I've been lucky to to hear his commentary on a number of games at regionals and at championships in the past that's the one that have been held here in Texas. Um so I think I think I just want to give the people what they want. I wanna ask you a little bit about your commentary. So take us, take us take us through the process. When you when you're told we want you to be the live stream commentator for for X game, uh, what, what goes into that? Like, what do you do? What's your preparation? How long do you have to prepare?
1: Um, I would say, I, I don't even remember the timeline because Jenna asked me to do the first time I ever did live stream commentary, I think, was MLQ Championships. So, uh, Jenna asked me like a week before or something like that. Jenna Bolweg, who, by the way, um, first of all, don't bother Jenna, she's tired oh all the time and she has a girlfriend, leave her alone. Uh, second of all, um uh that's for everybody if you're if you're listening to this don't bother jenna anymore ever again uh anyway now nah, jenna's you know she's in charge of uh digital media for major league quidditch and we're we're technically on the same team i was on the practice squad for major league quidditch and they played the kansas city stampede and they needed somebody to sign up for live stream commentary and i just volunteered for it randomly did that and apparently it blew the socks off everybody in the Quidditch world somehow. Um, and they, they wanted me to come to MLQ championships. I got a chance to meet Harry Clark, who's a, a member of the Rochester whiteout. He's also in charge of like the actual hardwiring and technical details of what uh, goes into putting the broadcast on TV and uh, putting it on Facebook live and all that kind of stuff like that. And uh, I don't know if you saw this away here or not, but I, Apparently, I'm the lead broadcaster for U.S. Quidditch Cup 11 uh, in Round Rock, so I just accepted that position um, yeah, two days ago or something like or last Thursday. Yeah, I Stewart. saw
0: something about that. That is so cool! Congratulations, man! That is a, that's a huge deal.
1: Uh, yeah, man, I can't wait because it's gonna be easily the most. It's gonna be the most lit national championship <laughs> ever, Alejo. Like every ha- okay, Alejo. Let me put it like this. My team is not going to Nationals. We are very frustrated that we're not going to Nationals. 90% of my team has volunteered for U.S. Quidditch Cup That's eleven. That's
0: stuff, man. That's what So,
1: it like, even people who are just – yeah, like, we're all going because we know what it means for it to be in Texas, and we don't want it to be anywhere else. So, um, But when you, back to your original question, when it comes to broadcasting, man, uh, I do something very similar to what other guys who are big into sports that are also playing Quidditch do. It's you look at what other sports do and you try to see how that can equate to quidditch. So what I do is I look at how many, you know, I try to get basic stuff. Like when you're talking about basketball which if there was a sport that quidditch mirrored any more so, it would probably be basketball in terms yeah, of the in scheme, of, in terms of the cuts, yeah, in the terms tempo of the passing especially,
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so you look at what do, what makes a good basketball player. You talk about average points per game, a lot of what a lot of ways to help people understand any type of sport, the Alejo, you know this as an educator, uh, there are certain kids who understand different ways. Most people, once they become adults, understand things in the terms of numbers, right? Like they understand that what a lot of money is. A million dollars yeah. is a lot of money. A lot of people understand things in terms of numbers. Like when you say like somebody scores 10 goals per game, that's a lot yeah. like for most teams. Uh, individual person scoring 10 goals per game, that's 100 points on the scoreboard. And it's it just you find ways to simplify for the people. And I always assume that when I'm doing my commentary, that the person watching the live stream has never watched Quidditch a day in their life, because that's the best way to go about it. Because that's how we're going to expand yeah, the sure. sport, right? So, uh, yeah. And so we 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 talk about things like scoring goals. We talk about seeker technique and see, uh, seeker technique and snitch technique. Uh, what teams are doing in terms of their strategy that you notice consistently. Uh, saying people's full names is a big thing for me. Because I don't want people to like, if you say like, oh, that guy's Tom, like any person can be Tom, right? Like I want to get to the point where we're saying people's full names on broadcast with their number, with the team that they play for. Um, And then on top of that, tracking down the history of a lot of teams is pretty difficult. A lot of teams have their own personal history. Like I went to Catherine Hayworth, who's a team captain uh, for Sam Houston State University. She has the Quidditch World Cup 8 Division 2 championship randomly (laughs) in her house, right? Like, it's just sitting on the mantle. Like, we were playing, we were playing, like, Cards Against Humanity, and I looked up on the mantle and I was like, that's the cup from a championship that Catherine oh, never God, played on, nice. right? Like, that's from a couple of years ago. She never played on that team, but her team has yes. a sense of history. And we want to try and perpetuate and try to get the audience to grasp that sense of history from different teams. And,. Uh, when it comes to college teams, it's a lot easier, right? Because college teams already have a brand built That's up true. behind them. There's so many people who know, yeah, they know UCLA, they know Stanford, they know Cal, they know Sam Houston State, Texas, Texas Tech, all that kind of stuff like that, LSU. Uh, what I guess our biggest emphasis needs to be, if we want the sport to grow a lot better, is building the brands of the community teams yeah. a little bit more. Uh, because if the the community teams get on the same brand level as the college teams, then it's like beating Lone Star means a lot to people who are in the Quidditch community, not so much to the random person <laughs> who just picked, who just like saw a Facebook post, right? So I try to just involve, like it's literally about involving as many people as possible and and, and hyping up really cool moves. Like a lot of people uh, just kind of hold the camera and like talk and like they crack a lot of inside jokes on, on live streams and stuff like that. Inside jokes that for the most part I don't get because I've only been in Quidditch for a year and a half. So' it's, it's all about trying to make it as simple as possible, to involve as many people in the conversation. Yeah,
0: that's a really good point. Yeah, you're right. I definitely have listened to some live streams, and they're they're very kind of self-satisfied, you know they're, they're talking about this guy or this event that you don't have any context for. And so yeah, I think definitely context is is king. You know, definitely being able to contextualize and uh, right. I, I admire so much your your commentary. It's kind of and you and another person who's also a good commentator is Ethan Sturm, if you ever watched like uh right. he he knows everything there's to know about high level Quidditch from in the history going back years. So after listening to you and listening to him, I've started practicing, you know, doing my own commentary as well and I always try and find myself find myself trying to contextualize, like you like you said, make it accessible, make it understandable. Um, for sure. I I did some right. TSL commentary when I was filming, and I found myself explaining why people were yelling at Stefan V
1: Hill. Baby hand baby Stefan. Uh, they were they were they yelling no, at him? No, they were yelling. They were calling him like Ooh, that traitor it or
0: something like that because he switched from. from what was it from tech he transferred from texas tech to texas state after playing on the legends and all of that and then he oh and then people rag him for having the lowest scores per minute or something because in that cavalry game at usq9 he was just walking around with the quaffle for a couple minutes while the beaters and seekers were frantically trying to win the game and yeah so i mean when you know that history you want to share it like i i mean you're right. Some people just kind of just crack wise about it and move on, but that's that's a great way to lose your audience.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and maybe someday they'll be able to, you know, not all of us are in IQA forums, so we don't get yeah. the jokes, but uh, by the way, I would like to point out, I feel like Stefan and Springs and all those guys could have scored at any given point that they wanted to. They just went out there with the game plan to slow the game down. Uh they, I mean, they had moments where they were literally running at the hoops and nobody was there to contest them and they would pull the ball back out. Uh, I just put I just want to put that out there. And then on top of that, people say Stefan's a traitor. He left from Texas Tech to Texas State. I think he didn't tell anybody. And I think that's why a lot of people were a little salty about it. But I will say this. Stefan was in San Marcos the entire summer this past summer and refused to play for the Austin Outlaws <laughs> so i don't know how much of a traitor you are like he he was a league city legend He's actually uh, the team captain for the League City Legends' upcoming season. So to him, he was just like, if I can't play for League City, I can't play for anybody yeah. in MLQ. So he could have I – mean, they call him a traitor, but like I said, he was in San Marcos this entire summer and could have easily played for the Austin Outlaws and chose not to.
0: Hey, man, I, I got a lot of respect for Stephen V Hill. I, I felt like I was stepping up for him on the when I was trying to do that commentary.
1: <laughs> exactly, right, 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 right. That
0: makes sense. So do you – uh, so, what about at nationals? You're you're probably going to be asked to do commentary for teams that you don't know. What are you What are you going to do to prepare for that?
1: Uh, so, my biggest thing is I'm trying to spread the word in Alejo. You can help me with this too. Any game that I broadcast and your team wins, make sure you send somebody up to the camera. To we're trying oh, to do post game interviews. That's Every the best game. thing ever.
0: That's, yes. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah. So. Mary Mary said that uh Mary Stewart who's in uh who the one who reached out to me about being the lead broadcaster uh she said um she basically was just like we never have oh. any post game interviews cuz everybody just walks off and I'm like I'm telling all oh my of my God. southwest friends I'm like if you guys win your game send somebody up to the camera and we will get them on and they Dude, can say I'm, whatever they want. We just need to like hear the voices of these people to like to humanize the players, right? I, I'm actually so, yeah. going to be
0: going, I'm going to planning on snitching and refing a little bit. I'll try and I'll try and help out with that. <laughs> I'll try and go find whichever team just won, whichever yeah, no team doubt. tells me I'll be over there. Like, yo, yo, send someone over there.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, especially if it was like a cool snitch grab, send somebody over there. I told the 290 blue blue bonnets, uh, I got to reach out to Duquette. And a couple of other people, I'm thinking about just posting it in every single region page, like uh, like the week before the day of nationals or something like that to remind people. Uh, But other than that, um, what what I used to get prepared, I know uh, heroes versus villains was a good glimpse at a lot of teams. It's a tournament that was hosted uh, earlier this year. Lost Boys ended up winning because the (laughs) lights went out. Yeah, <laughs> Literally technically like, they uh, were up against Snowmass, um,
0: but, but yeah, they they yeah we we can actually I kind of like that the tournament heroes versus villains never actually had a defined winner. I like that the heroes and the villains just it will go on yeah, for like, eternity. <laughs> the, the <laughs> yeah,
1: sequel, right, the sequel is uh, it, yeah. So heroes versus villains, a huge tournament out in California that attracted a ton of teams from out of the region. Literally, some of the best teams that the the game of Quidditch has to offer, the Lake Erie Elite. Who uh, is out of Michigan, yeah. right, or something yep. like that? They're based out of Michigan or something. Uh, they they came and they played. They they were in the chokehold game, uh, which is something I'm, I plan to bring up as often <laughs> as possible if I get to do a uh, get to do a Nomads game. Uh, but anyway, they um, you get a chance to see a lot of these really talented players. They had some high quality commentators throughout the course of that game. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm literally just gonna watch film. On these teams because that's what professional broadcasters do when it comes to football and basketball you watch film to understand team strategy understand what rotation happens at what time uh what the order of the seekers are because that information like you shouldn't expect the team to tell you what their rotation is going to be because that's unfair because if somebody else gets that information you know you endanger somebody else's chances yeah. of winning a game uh and I don't want to do that so I want to be able to go and watch a team uh, I want to be able to hear about these prominent players in other regions. I know I'm going to talk to a ton of people throughout the course of the year, uh, throughout the course of this preparation, building up to it. But um, Jenna did a good job of making sure that I didn't get put in a really weird situation, but I'm always down for a challenge. So uh, she, she was really a big proponent of not putting me in a in a game that, that didn't have people I didn't know. So um, – I'm a big proponent of trying to get out and do as much as I possibly can. And luckily for me, the most uh, out of all the regions, the most of them have Southwest teams uh, in them. So a lot of the matchups are going to have Southwest teams. And that'll be a good opportunity uh, to, you know, to watch a lot of these teams play for the first time out of region or not on a computer screen and all that kind of stuff like that. And uh, Alejo, I got to put on a show for your guys, man. Once you told me that all the international Quidditch players go on YouTube and they watch those videos – of like yep. look, down in the U.S., I just like I, I have like this higher level of expectation for myself because I'm just like, yo, these people like literally are people watching all over the world checking these right. games yeah, out. The and Peruvian, stuff like that, so. Yeah, the Peruvians. Yeah, the Peruvians
0: were telling me they were, and actually, this um, is this is an utterly random side note, but I was asked by a Peruvian Quidditch player to help make some trivia questions because he was trying to get peruvian um players more like involved on facebook online and i wrote some trivia questions and one of them was like right. e- i like i tried to make easy and hard ones and one of the easier ones was what's the the summer quidditch league in the united states and someone boom right away and major league quidditch and they tagged it and everything um and I, it was a little bit of a trick question nice. because in peru nice. summer and winter are opposite be- from us because it's a. Uh, um because it uh they're in the southern hemisphere and so our summer is their winter but right away you knew what i was talking about because i said something right. about the best players from each city and yeah so they know they see it they see the the film they see the the highlight reels especially but yeah i'm sure uh and not all of them speak english but those who do are really going to dig it especially everything you have to share with them it's gonna be it's gonna be awesome.
1: Yeah. And when I heard that, man, I feel like, you know, as because USA, I mean, overall has like the best quidditch, right? Like if we took team for team, game for game, you would say the United States of America has the best quidditch on the planet. And that means we have an obligation to push the game as much as we possibly can. So um, I know I'm not one of the elite players like the Michael Duquette that everybody looks up to, or the Stevie Bell's and all those guys like that. But I'm gonna try and do my part. That's all <laughs> hey, I know. Man,
0: that's great. That I respect that. Absolutely. That's you're doing your part big time. You really are. I can tell you that for a fact. Uh, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna, I wanna zoom out you. a little bit, and uh, because you clearly have some kind of of sports background. Anyone who listens to you do commentary can can tell that people comment on. They can hear it and. But I think we, I would like to hear a little more about, you know, what is it, what, uh, what, what kind of, what, what school do you have? What's your job like? How are you, so what do you do that, that gets you so into broadcasting? Because you're clearly soaked in it. You can talk like a commentator, you know, and, and I'm wondering how, what, what, what all goes into that.
1: Uh, I went to a high school called Yes College Prep North Central. It's a charter school. Uh, out here in Houston, Texas, from Aldean, Texas, to be more specific, but um, they they have a higher expectation for a lot of their students. I went to school for like nine hours a day for most of my uh, academic career until I went to college. Uh, I went to Valparaiso University, my freshman year of college, which is out in Indiana. Some people know it as Valpo. Uh it's halfway between uh it's halfway between South Bend and Chicago. So it's an hour away from South Bend, Indiana, which is where Notre Dame is located. And then Chicago, of course, you know, the third largest <laughs> city in the country, or whatever. Uh kind of big deal. Kind of a major deal. Shout-out to uh, shout out to Chicago United. Uh, hopefully they're having a good season this year. Uh, I know it's their second year ever in existence, but they got some pretty sweet jerseys. My, my brother um, lives in Chicago. So they, they're, they're pretty, you know, you play you, – you
0: My brother lives in Chicago, but he's too busy to play Quidditch right now. So he's never played.
1: Huh? Yeah, I don't know what part of town they play in. I don't know what part of town Chicago United plays in because, you know, Alejo – uh, Houston is very much like Chicago. We're like, you know, we live in Houston, but it's like, mm, but I live in Cyprus and <laughs> you live in Katy. So it's like maybe an hour drive to go to practice for True. some people. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the, uh, I, I went to I went to Valparaiso University, played college football there, uh, was not a scholarship athlete. I was a scrub offensive lineman. I, I, to be honest, I'd never played football until I got to college football and I got up to like second string halfway through the season and then it started to first of all I got like a really nasty case of tendonitis, and uh it basically shut down my left leg and then on top of that I spent a ton of time uh trying to struggle to be a freshman in college and also play college football at a high level like working out and stuff so I basically quit the team after like A little bit beyond halfway through the season because it was affecting my grades and I couldn't I couldn't do that if it was going to affect my grades. And the Valparaiso is a public university. uh, It's a private school. So it's like forty five thousand dollars to go there for an entire year. And most of my stuff was paid for. Luckily for me, uh, I didn't have to take too much money out in terms of student loans. But uh, after after my first year was over, they raised tuition by two grand. So it was like 47,000 and my mom was like, they're just going to keep raising it until it gets to like a ridiculously high level. So I elected to come back to Houston and ended up at Texas Southern University for a little while. And I have yet to actually finish <laughs> college. So a lot of people shocked and awed and amazed by that. Uh, I live in Trinity Gardens, which is considered a hood in Houston. Uh, so I, live in the hood and have not graduated <laughs> from college. And people are amazed when I tell them that on a regular <laughs> basis. So, uh, yeah, it. Uh, I mean, I've always wanted to be involved in sports in my entire life. And I, my first dream was to be a zoologist for some reason. And uh, that takes an immense amount. I, I used to watch yeah. Steve Irwin all the time and Austin Corbin and all those guys like that. So, yeah, all those guys used to inspire me all the time because I was like, yo, they're like Animals out here that have like superpowers (laughs) essentially, right? Like, there are animals out here that are like swimming underwater and all kinds of stuff like that that breathe underwater. There are whales that are the size of like three school buses right next to each other, all kinds of stuff like that. And like, it just opened my eyes as to how beautiful the world can be. And I spent a lot of my time playing sports growing up. I played baseball first. Uh basketball was the the sport du jour in my family. A lot of my family members play basketball. My little cousin actually plays for the yeah. University of Texas nice. right now. Chastity. Um she's yeah, she's she's a she's way better than any anybody in our family. She's just like uh she's very small, but also very quick and can knock it down from anywhere. Right, she's cool. crazy good. But um there that had that going on She is. uh, So I've been playing sports my entire life, had a passion for animals my entire life. And at one point I was just like, I want to do the whole sports thing because that seems fun. Like until like I can basically if I get a job in sports until the day I die, I can just watch sports all day. And I'm like, that sounds amazing. So that's what I'm doing Uh, right now. I am a magazine. I'm a writer for a magazine and a website called Vite magazine. So uh, I am in charge of a website that covers 15 different high schools out here in the Houston area so I write stories about the kids and I also broadcast their games so like I do what I do for Quidditch but for high school games on a just audio only level so it's like I'm a radio broadcaster kind of a little bit Uh, I used to be a producer for ESPN 97.5 which is the number one sports talk radio station in the city And I used to be a producer for SB Nation Radio, which is a a national uh, radio network. So I used to help out on both over there. Uh, Recently, they were just like, hey, man, you seem like you're really busy. You should probably uh, go full time into the writing thing. And so they let me go. And we're still cool. I actually went up there the other day, uh, which is very weird. Like most people don't go to the place they get fired from and they're still welcomed inside the building. Uh, But it was really fun. And uh, I, I got a chance to meet a lot of really cool people. And it was a huge step forward for me in my career. And now I'm just a writer. I write magazine stories. Like I got to go deliver magazines today. And I wrote like five stories inside the magazine, which is baffling <laughs> to me. Uh and, and by the way, all the cool stuff that people hear that I've done, my mom is not <laughs> impressed at all. Uh, so <laughs> my mom is not impressed by anything that I do. So basically my entire life's motivation is to do something so cool that it impresses my mom and that is yet to happen oh, in my, man. in my sporting career. Gotta, so maybe one day. Like but, that, um, <laughs> yeah. So I, I, I'm just saying, she's just not, she's just not impressed. It's, it's great motivation. Cause it's like, you know, she's always going to be proud of me because I'm her son. But at the end of the day, I got to do something cool. Like be on TV when she's at home somewhere. She'll be like, that's my son kind of deal. So that's the motivation I have. Uh, but yeah, I try to, um. basically, I just do what I do at my job on a daily basis, but for Quidditch. And it's a lot of fun. I'm really passionate about it. Uh, and like you said, Ethan is uh, Ethan is a really talented broadcaster. I listen to The Secret Floor despite the fact I that don't, they hate the Southwest. I don't think they hate it. Um, I think and, they, they, they don't <laughs> listen,
0: live near the Southwest. They don't get to see it. And so at least one part of it is just they don't talk about it as much because it's harder to talk about things you don't see with your own eyes. Maybe there is an element of disrespect in the southwest but i don't i don't detect it i mean i'm autistic so i can't detect anything but you know still
1: so. <laughs> you can't well. detect anything yeah no nah, no nah, you got it man you you hear them with uh with unbiased ears which is a good place to be i hear them with tons of bias in my ears because they spend zero time talking about the southwest uh and they and they called you can't one of somebody's took a I wouldn't even say it was a, a slight at Duquette, and I was just like, "They just called Michael Duquette watch Anyway. anyway." Uh, that so that's going down. It, that stuff's going down. But I love the secret Floor. I listen to it uh, all the time. I haven't had a chance to check out the video breakdown that they oh, did. I don't yet. know if you have a but they broke down. They, that's they broke really down. Cool. So, I haven't
0: made the time for it yet.
1: Yeah, uh, on camera they broke down
0: yeah i'm too busy doing my actual job yeah so i, I listen <laughs> to those we're guys. playing we're playing tag <laughs> yeah exactly <sighs> sorry
1: yeah 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 so like you said alejo you're you're out here molding the youth of america not not watching quidditch yeah. film I mean, exactly that's the way you should be man uh <laughs> good you. on you
0: yeah
1: <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah that i mean that's pretty much it man i i, I mean i was like I've always had a passion for sports, and I'm in all the subsidiary Facebook groups like Q basketball, Q football, and uh, all those other things like that. Quid gamers and all that kind of stuff. Nice. So it's yeah. a lot of. No, fun, it man.
0: really shows you've obviously got a lot of practice. Uh, I know that. I know for a fact that commentary, like first of all, is hard. It's harder than it looks because when you're sitting there and you're taking it in, you don't realize how how practiced and how uh, you have to be in order to flow with it. You know, to really get it um you know to to make it to make it seem natural but on top of that radio broadcasting is even harder because you have to paint the picture more then for video broadcasting where you can just kind of compliment what the audience yeah. is. like in, in in video broadcasting commentary like when someone throws a nasty dunk on someone else you can just react you can just be like oh like just the audience goes that yells at and you can yell it too but in like the radio it has to be like oh and lebron just throws him down on the ground and slams it in and he's staring at him you know like you got to paint the picture you know and that's really tough
1: yeah, it's it's a lot of fun, though. I, as you can tell, Alejo, on this podcast, I like to talk a lot. So um I spend a good chunk of my time listening to a lot of other broadcasters. And, uh you know, a lot of people in sports radio are really skeptics. Like, there's a lot of negativity that goes into sports radio. Everybody's so critical of each other all the time because that's the fun thing to do. People like to hate on each other. Uh But sometimes I like to sit back. Like, March Madness is some of my favorite time because I like to hear – like what professional high quality broadcasters, guys who are at that level do on TV broadcast in comparison to radio broadcast. And I actually, because I work in radio, sometimes I'll listen to a game. Like when I would leave League City here, uh, League City Legends practice, sometimes the Rockets game would be on. I would drive back home for like an, uh, my hour drive back home, and I would just sit in my car for another hour just to listen to the uh, radio broadcast so I can, you know, sharpen my skills. It's something I have a, a real passion uh, to try, and, uh, my goal is to be the greatest sportscaster of all time, of all time. Thanks to Ash Ketchum in Pokemon, because you know his goal is to be the greatest Pokemon trainer of all time. And yeah. I was just like, why can't I just do that with like a real thing? I'm just like, I'm gonna be the greatest sportscaster of all time. So yeah.
0: Yeah, man that that that's brilliant. You know what? You're getting a lot of practice. Obviously, you're doing it for you said something like fifteen high schools, right? That's that's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it's
1: crazy, man. Some of these some of these kids that I I, I witness Alejo, it's just. It is amazing what some of these kids do, like at such a young age, how, how well they play uh, a sport that like I play basketball. Some of the basketball kids I cover, I was just like, I could never be at the level that these guys are at. I never trained as hard as they do. And I don't have like the natural given ability. And it just impresses and shock and awe against me all the time. Uh, and you know that's that's it keeps me uh, passionate about it because I'm seeing amazing things. I'm not just like watching like oh this is like a pickup basketball game that I play at the YMCA. These are like high quality athletes, high level athletes who are playing against each other, and somebody's got to win this game at the end. That's the sad part about it most of the time. Somebody has to win. So that's uh, that, that's the that's what I take the most passion out of. Man,
0: yeah, no, your passion absolutely shows through, and it's obviously paid off. You've got a lot of practice um doing that commentary i mean because even when i'm when i'm uh listening cause, and i actually had the pleasure of working with you i was the i don't know i don't know if you remember it was for one of the mlq championship games i was the the live stream operator literally all i had to do was turn the yeah, camera back on, and see. forth but i'm not really suited for that as an autistic person like i said it's easy to get overwhelmed and i wouldn't always pointed at the action um but no you were you were just talking there right next to me and it was uh just a a pleasure to 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 have you paint that picture especially for that especially for that audience you know that uh you know that doesn't always know the sport or even that's the other thing too even in people who know the sport there's so much going on that your eyes are can only be so many places at a time you know i find when i do commentary so i try and i tend i'm a beater i think by nature i tend to see the beating game and then how that right, influences exactly. the waffle game so i think you know probably do you think maybe here's just a random off the wall comment let's say quidditch became big like in 20 years on espn do you think you'd have oh it's like, going
1: uh, alejo alejo first of all calm down quidditch is already pretty big no i'm, I'm kidding <laughs> well it's uh, not no, espn1 no, yet
0: still on espn3 <laughs> espn8 maybe it, though. But, but but here's the thing you,
1: what? Use alejo alejo Alejo, what you just said, wink wink, ESP and the ocho. Ah, ah, no, you don't know. Okay, so I'll I'll explain this and maybe it'll make a lot more sense to other people. Um, if you you know where ESP and eight comes from, right?
0: That's um, isn't there like wasn't that like a, a, a prime, like some kind of something where there was like ESPN weird games and like Quidditch wasn't on it and people were salty about that?
1: Yeah. So that happened. So um ESPN ate the Ocho is from the movie Dodgeball, the ultimate underdog oh, story, right? It's the it's fake network that they're on. And they turned it into like a real channel. They t- ESPN took ESPNU, like you said, and they put a bunch of random sports on it. And Quidditch was not one of them. The MLQ championships happened a week before ESPN ate the Ocho happened, and I remember like sitting back, and I was like, all right, I'm going to check this out, see what they're actually putting on. And I saw them showing bottle flipping as a sport, and I was like, oh, we're perfect for this. We're way better. (laughs) We're way more entertaining way more characters in our – we have way more characters in our sport. It's way more eye-popping. It's way more fun. We have a better base because we have – there's a collection of people out there who have read Harry Potter and also love to play sports, and we're perfect for that. So I hit up my friend who works for ESPN, and she basically was just like, don't tell anyone. So if you're listening to this podcast, don't tell anyone. She was basically (laughs) like, we're trying to make that happen. Yes!
0: Oh, you didn't hear it first here, ladies and gentlemen.
1: (laughs) Yeah, don't tell anyone, don't put it in IQA forums, or she'll never tell me anything ever again. We went to Valpo together, and she works for ESPN FC. She's also one of the producers for ESPN 8 The Ocho, which apparently is going to make its return this summer, and it could very well have a very famous sport that you're very familiar with that has a lot of broomsticks and goals being scored.
0: Are you really sure you want this on the podcast? I can edit it out if you want.
1: <laughs> um, you know, it's almost it's almost the summer, and if it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. They haven't announced right. it yet or anything like that. So, yeah, hopefully nobody will be able to track it back to me and nobody knows who my friend is, so she won't get in trouble. Okay, so, yeah.
0: And Ashton's mysterious friend, no one, please, no one, like, docs her and figure out who it is okay um getting back to my actually that well getting back to my original point that got us sidetracked let's say that that quidditch was big time which i mean being on the ocho i don't know if it's big time or not i think not what would your ideal <laughs> commentary booth look like like who would you have in there because like think about it like if you have a, think about an nfl broadcasting crew in addition to all the various producers you have the play-by-play guy the color commentator and then you have like, you can phone in to, like, the, the rules specialist and, like, I think Jay Feely the kicker commentator, commentator maybe other yeah. specialist, too. What would your Quidditch broadcasting booth look like if you were, like, given the, the, the keys?
1: Um, the biggest thing that I would say is uh, uh, the one thing that's going to take the sport to the next level, um, the, there has to be more presentation of what's going on. Like, when, um, like when a goal is scored... Like, the whistle – like, the hands go up. You hear the whistle and everything like that. It needs to be celebrated just like it is in a basketball game. It needs to be, like – it needs to be, like, three seconds of just absolute madness, right? Like, a goal being scored (laughs) is a big deal in both games, right? It needs to be three seconds of, like – oh, like, this kind of goes, like, the you know, the kind of stuff like that, like, the the smoke machine goes off, the loud noises, <laughs> the air horns, all that kind of stuff like that, to get the people hyped, right? And people are already hyped about Quidditch as it is. Um, one thing I would definitely say, it needs to be a, definitely needs to be a play-by-play guy, it needs to be a color analyst, and there needs to be somebody who's patrolling the sidelines. Like, there always has to be somebody who's checking mm-hmm. out on both benches. Yeah. So if somebody comes out injured, or they see somebody fall over, or something like that, uh, I also believe Uh, This is weird because in Quidditch, Alejo, I don't know if you've had this discussion with your friends before or not or just anybody in general, like the amount of work that like the amount of work that has to be done by the cameraman is interesting. Right. Like you need to have angles from the goal rest position, right, like through the back of the hoops and everything like that to show people like, hey, that ball went through the hoop kind of deal. Uh, You need to have it on both end zones. You probably need to have it how Jenna has it. uh, A GoPro lifted way atop the field. So you can see yeah. it from above. And then even my buddy Dylan, uh, Dylan Freeman, who's a, a, a beast, it, you're lucky if you don't have to ever play against Dylan because he will crush your soul. Oh, my God.
0: Um, I, I had to seek against <laughs> him before. It was not fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, Dylan's uh, profile picture on Facebook is him throwing a seeker like five feet in the air. So that makes <laughs> sense. He used to be a co- he used to play college football too, him and his brother, uh, Jacob, who were both very talented. But uh, yeah. he, Dylan thinks that it should be kind of an end zone cam for both sides of the game he thinks that it should be from the perspective of behind the hoops and he thinks that's the best way to get everybody shown on camera but it's also like there are people with their backs turned to you so you feel like you're not as necessarily as engaged in the game but also in Quidditch it's a 360 degree angle right uh another thing we could probably use is a spider can that would be dope Uh, A spider camera, which is if you've ever watched an NFL football game, it's a a camera on a wiring system all across the pitch. It can drop and go up and down different elevations so you can see people on the attack. But um, definitely need a sideline reporter, need to have the referees mic'd up, even when they're talking Mm -hmm. into the camera, so that the rule is very clear. Um, I think Quidditch, for what it is right now, does a great job of broadcasting. Uh, and getting the game out there because most of the referees know to come over to the scorers table, which just so happens to be where the camera is, and they say right. the penalty into the microphone so everybody can understand it. Um, oh, yeah, that was uh, one like of my I comments. Said, yeah,
0: that was one of my comments when I took my head right field test. I was not coming over and announcing the penalties very loudly. <laughs> I'm getting better still. <laughs>
1: Yeah. You just yeah. got to yell it, man. Like there's no, it's your pitch. You know, you kind of, you know, you're, I, you're like, I'm the one that's in charge here. You got to yeah. yell it. and let, Make sure everybody knows what's up. Uh, the crowd likes to hear it because it keeps them involved in the game instead of like yeah. them seeing somebody just take a yellow card, pop it up. And then some player walks off really pissed off. Right. Like that kind of <laughs> deal like that. Um, yeah. That, uh, that being said, I mean, I I think Quidditch does a pretty good job, but I think most of the time when you're talking about broadcasting, it's usually only one player. It's not. It's usually only one broadcaster. It's never two in there. And Quidditch definitely has enough room and enough space in terms of talking for two players to talk. It's uh, for two broadcasters to be in the booth there together uh, because the time, the the amount of time, it's not as fast paced. Depending on the game that you're playing, depending on the team that you're playing, there's a certain level of slowness to it. The transition play. Uh, there's room for color commentators. I can tell. Uh, just from me being a guy who's done it solo by himself, walking uh, when people yeah. walk up the pitch. And now that we have uh, – I know they're trying to push the pace of the game, so they have the backcourt violation, the one reset rule, which will yeah, help the out reset. a lot. Uh, which yeah. way, I, I definitely need to reread that part of the rule book because it is uh, somewhat confusing.
0: The MLQ one was really super strong. But yeah, uh, other than like that basically- – yeah you could only bring it past the line right. once and that was it and the the USQ one they tried to change it they made it more complicated like so for example if you get tackled and pushed past the line that doesn't count as a reset unless you break off and don't go back across the line immediately like it is more complicated for sure um uh but yeah that that definitely well that definitely that did the and that was the end of the uh that was the end of the the cavalry ball. Super slow USQ nine. That I think a lot of people are upset about that it was just so slow paced. Although it was just the quaffle that was slow paced. The sneak, the seekers, and the beaters, and the snitch were still frenzied, but the the quaffle game just ground to a halt. And so there, the reset rule kind of what yeah. did, did away with that.
1: And that's something else we gotta uh, we gotta figure out too. How to we gotta figure out how to get the snitch? Uh, how to get the secret game? and uh and qualify play on the camera at the same time. A lot of people think it should be color and color. Um, you know, like you have a small camera that's focused on the snitch, uh, it's focused on the seeker. Uh and there, should, there I think there should be some more pageantry about how snitches are uh, introduced to the field of play. You know what I mean? I think this should just be a little bit more like there I need some pyrotechnics kind of deal. Uh what is it? There's the heavyweight champ snitch like the snitch that walks out with the WWE heavyweight belt. I think that we should get uh, – you know, he, he, he announces himself when he's on the field. Uh, Gabe doesn't <laughs> do very much announcing when he's on the field just um, uh, just because, you know, he's, he's come there. To, he's going to be yeah. out there for about 40 minutes. He's there to so. work. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I don't know. Yeah. I like to yeah. – I don't know. If, have you ever seen me snitch, actually? I don't know if you have because I got the – uh, I, I think I saw like... you
1: snitch at one practice in one of our practices.
0: Oh, okay. No, that's not the same one. I actually snitch. You'll see me snitch at live uh, in nationals, hopefully. I actually have uh, a shirt and shorts and long socks and armbands that I like to wear all yellow. So it's just to give the people a little oh, show. Yeah, you got you to gotta,
1: you gotta, you gotta let the people know, man. You got to let the people know who's in the building, who's in the building. I know a lot of people like to uh, rock their uh, shirts from their colleges, which I think is pretty cool, too. Uh, and and that's another thing too. I feel like that needs to be a bigger deal. Uh, community teams, like letting community teams know, uh, community players, what college they used to go to. Like, that's a big deal for a lot of people, right? Like, it it connects them to like different bases. Like, how many people know that Augie went to UT in the community? Every, pretty much everybody knows that. But do random people turning on the broadcast know that Augie, the guy who's out here balling out of control, went to ut (laughs) how many people know that cole went to lsu you know what i mean so that's true kind of deal like that so
0: you know what i love more i think one of my favorite things in all the quidditch is jessica jim and lang's pictures when you get a community team and everyone wears their old college jersey all and they stand in that v formation you know what the pictures i'm talking about yeah those are amazing i've seen those those. gorgeous we got to do that for tsl no
1: doubt about yeah, that would be perfect just because, I mean, TSL is interesting because it, it, it's about where you're like location wise and uh, just overall, it, like you said, like anybody can play on any team basically. So uh, that that would be pretty dope, man. But like you said, college jersey, like players in their college jerseys would be pretty cool uh, getting a throwback to seeing like where they came from, where they started. And, and it kind of gives you an understanding of like why they play the way that they play. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that that's uh, that's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that's man, that's beautiful. I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try and tell everyone on, on whichever TSL. We haven't started doing TSL teams yet, but uh, when we start doing that, I'm gonna try and uh, uh, you know get our get our team, whatever, whoever team I'm on, to to do th- that picture at one of our one of the TSL events because that would be a lot of fun. Get everyone different jerseys. Yeah, there. the
1: Apollos are already. We're, we're, we're trying to. The Apollos are getting to work on. Uh, we're trying to get to work on recruiting people. So that uh, we don't get hustled by the San Marcos Storm at the end of the season, <laughs> like they did again. The
0: yeah, I uh, yeah. Well, Victoria. Hopefully, we'll see if we become the legendary Outlaws again or not, or, or we join someone else. But uh, you know, definitely, we're definitely a uh, Victoria Quidditch is up for summer Quidditch, regardless.
1: No doubt, man. That's how that's how it is. I, I think we're like the only region that plays year round Quidditch, which is something that sets us apart. From all the other regions too, because we play in the hottest summer in probably anywhere else uh out of all the other regions too, so we play in the most adverse conditions in uh nah, in an nah, exhausting style of game.
0: nah son phoenix soul phoenix soul couldn't handle the heat it was a hundred degrees at like eight p m when they were playing their summer games, at least we don't have to do that, <laughs> oh my we, God, that's brutal
1: man, oh my we, God.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say like you you can brag on Texas summers and they are tough, but uh, we are in Arizona, so let's just, let's let's not get yeah. crazy here.
1: <laughs> yeah, like Vegas has one thirteen, right? Like Vegas will get up to like one hundred thirteen degrees or something like that uh, yeah. out on the strip. It's wild, man. Yeah,
0: yeah. So we're, uh, but I mean, yeah, we definitely we're definitely a little crazy playing in the weather we play in, but it's still playable for sure. Um, yeah, man, and, and and listeners who have heard Ashton's podcast, uh, The Quaffle Life, uh, know how much big a proponent he is of TSL. If you heard me on his podcast, I'm definitely a huge proponent of it as well, especially because our program, Victoria Quidditch, is kind of small and we don't have enough to play seven-on-seven seven without the benefit of a infrastructure of a league like TSL.
1: And I'm always a big proponent of it because I'm just like, Hey man, uh, and I, I said this at the end of the last quaffle. Like when I talked to Baldy and uh, talked to Travis, but like you can go home and all summer sit on the couch, and when you come back in the fall semester, enjoy sitting on the bench because everybody else we have been playing for about three months. So, you know, I'm just saying if you're not going to put the work in, you're not going to play. That's just how it is on most college teams, man. And 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 if you yeah. want to be a, a player that's on your quote unquote university or B team, and you want to make it to A team, I'm going to tell you this right now: your A team players are either playing on an MOQ roster, which is going to help them get a lot better, or they're playing on a TSL team, or more than likely, just like everybody else last summer, if everybody played MOQ and TSL, and we all just kind of, you know, everybody got that working, like sitting at home uh, doing nothing. Best like, real loose on when you pay her. She doesn't really care because she's doing it for the sport because uh, Best secretly still loves Quidditch a lot, even though she doesn't play anymore. She's a big proponent of it, and – she is all about getting an opportunity for players to play and you know if you want to play people will find a way for you to get to the games people will find a way for you to get to the tournament man that's how it is yeah
0: yeah i think and maybe with victoria might make the the legendary outlaws and just literally be the merc team anyone who doesn't sign up for a specific team just comes to us you know because we're legendary outlaws man a bunch of mercenaries
1: get some work there. nice I, yeah i like it man i like it i like it i like the mentality he's like we're out we're out here to get these wins, man by any means necessary
0: yeah yeah i'll come from a planet of outlaws billy the kid bonnie and Clyde, <laughs> star lord <laughs> last question for you i just wanted because i mentioned the quaffle life briefly talk a little bit about the quaffle life because when we listen to it we can listen to it live first of all which is really cool and second of all, you've got like KR KRBZ or some like advertisement on it. Talk, talk about that, man! What's going on with that? How do you make that?
1: Uh, so going, it, yeah, it just goes back to my my job. So basically, I don't know if you ever saw the first time that I posted about it, I'm doing a podcast. Um, I was just like, hey guys. Um, my job has this other channel. So, like, if you look at the website we do it on, it's called Spreaker.com. And if you're trying to do a podcast or anything like that, uh, they have pretty reasonable prices. If you want to, like, find a place to upload your podcast and have it, you know, protected and saved forever, Spreaker does a good job of doing that. Uh, Alejo, I know you use iTunes for yours, right? Uh, overall, you're big time. You got iTunes and the uh, hookup and everything. Uh, but basically, what? Like, uh, my job, when we do our broadcast, we stream live for all the all the parents and the players and other players to listen on the broadcast, right? So we stream live uh, across, like, anywhere, across the globe. Like, we've had people listen uh, as far as, like, Hawaii, Israel, stuff like that. They just want to listen to their kid, their son or daughter play, and I just use my same equipment from work when I want to do the podcast, so I'm lucky enough. They actually just – I always carry my equipment around with me uh, anywhere that I go when it comes to going to games. It's not like some place I have to go pick it up. I don't have a radio station uh, that I have to report to to go get my equipment. I just do my podcast with the equipment, and I use, like, a Focusrite and a a couple of professional-level headsets. It's not too complicated or anything like that. So, um, But, yeah, I mean, with a strong Internet connection, this is my Focusrite right right here Uh, if you've ever – Need to try and check it out. Uh, it's got like uplinks, so when people call, I just plug. It's like an aux cord. I just kind of plug in there, and it's like a very basic setup for what a producer gets in like a radio broadcast kind of deal. Uh, and my headsets look uh, like this. They look like any other headset that you would see uh, at a radio broadcast. It kind of hooks around your ear. It hooks around your ears, and uh, you talk. You talk into the microphone right here. It Has a little mouth guard, so you don't like your s's are a little bit dampened and all that kind of stuff like that. Uh, so it's not. I mean, it's not like super complicated or anything like that. It's just really uh, it's, it's basic stuff that a lot of people can buy and people all over the world listen to our broadcast. So I just thought I would like use the equipment and our old channel that we pay for on Spreaker that we don't use anymore to do my podcast. And it gets us more listened. And those advertising minute, advertisements that you hear are actually sponsors that pay for our high school equipment and our high school gear. So whenever you listen to the podcast, it just helps me make more money in my other job. I appreciate that.
0: Oh man, that's cool. Look at that. That's awesome. So that is so you're not paying that out of pocket though. That's that's what you said VITE magazine. Is that they're the ones that own that channel?
1: Yeah, so they own that channel. I'm not paying for any of this stuff. So I'm just in a lucky situation really uh with my job overlapping in being able to do something like this uh when it comes to quidditch and nobody says anything like i'm pretty sure my boss knows about my quidditch podcast but he doesn't care because it gets mad listens like it gets like over 100 listens pretty much every episode and the last couple have gotten like uh, the last couple have gotten like over 200 or something like that so as long as it gets listens he does not care like he really doesn't he's like i'm fine with that uh but i haven't i haven't come out and said like hey i'm doing stuff um, I'm doing stuff like on the side and I'm not like getting paid for it or anything like that. I'm just doing it for fun. And he just doesn't care. Cause technically we make more money. We can take that to advertisers and be like, we make, we have like that, that account that you see that KBRZ sports radio thing. Every time that account has like almost a quarter, it has over a quarter million listens on it. So we're just pushing that number beyond that and uh, all that kind of stuff like that. So nothing too crazy.
0: Nice. That's cool. Man. Well, I, um, I, uh, that that's really cool. I did not, not realize that that was what was going. I mean, it was so obvious that like you were using some kind of radio stuff because there's those ads and on the on the podcast. I have to say, you're a much braver man than me. I I would be terrified to actually record a podcast live because I mean, I I just cling tightly to my edit button. I know I can clip out anything if I mess up because I'm I'm not as soaked in this sports. You know the sports work as you are. You know I and I'm I'm a latecomer to the, to the world of sports. Really, honestly.
1: <laughs> hey, hey, man, Alejo, we're happy to have we're happy to have you, man. It's a lot of fun in sports. Sometimes people are, there are terrible people and there's really awesome people in sports. So you know how it goes, man. But yeah, most of the <laughs> I mean I, I don't have a problem recording live because I've never done recorded material and I've always been taught like even when I was at the even when I was working for a national radio station. Uh, across the country, where they do live broadcasts all the time, they actually hate doing recorded stuff because it sounds corny, it sounds like can it sounds like it 's not genuine uh some of the answers and some of that stuff sometimes because the it 's just not as natural of a flow of a conversation because you have a certain amount of time that you can talk kind of deal, and then it has to be cut at a certain point but it 's just a little bummer it 's it 's just disappointing. Um, sometimes, but I've always been taught like live broadcasts are the way to go. So, like, I understand, like, a lot of people just naturally don't stick to that. And, and the layho, you should be trying to, like, wh- what I do is my natural way of doing it. And I don't have to worry about it after it's done. I don't have any obligation to care about what happens after I hit, uh, in broadcast on my Quaffle Life podcast. But hey, man, when you make your sound professional, you make it sound better, it improves the sport. Like, People have different styles of doing this media presentation thing, and some of them are just, you know, live broadcast, and the other half are just kind of doing whatever you want. You know what I mean? You can edit it and make it sound perfect and pristine, which is the way to go.
0: Well, I mean, I don't, I don't think of myself as a professional producer. I don't do a lot I just Garage Band it all together and stuff. But I mean, it does give me opportunity to like, uh, you know, to like add in like, yeah, sound effects and to to start off and ending music and things like that to make it more professional and uh you know it's not i know enough producing i know enough about my no way around garage just enough to get it off the ground but my strength is really just education you know trying to and that's what i'm trying to do here just bring knowledge to the people i mean <laughs> that's all i got i don't and uh i had a problem with itunes is it doesn't tell you how many downloads you have so i literally have no idea how many listeners this podcast has so just fyi oh wow <laughs>
1: Oh, no doubt. No, it's all good, man. Uh, That's another thing about Spreaker. Like everybody can see how many listens you get on each broadcast. Uh, So it's like, you know, you can sit there and hype yourself up if you want to. But people can see the exact number of listens that you're getting. So, uh, you know, uh, and uh, that's just that's just how it is. It's weird. Uh, But, yeah, that's why I like Spreaker a lot. It's really interactive with the people. Uh, And it lets people just like tune in and drop out whenever they want to while even the live broadcast is going. And uh, like I know John Molina like listens to my podcast before he goes to class sometimes on Wednesday, which I find to be like crazy because I'm just like, yo, I didn't know people like cared about it that much. So it was pretty cool. But um, yeah, I just have a lot of fun, mainly because I get to interview a lot of my friends. And my next step for that podcast is going to be branching out to interview people who I, you know, out of region uh people who yeah. i've never talked to like stevie bell like i've only played against stevie uh, i i never um i've never talked to augie other than like about 5 minutes or something like that so uh or like cole travis i talked to him sometimes he wanted he actually wanted to start this podcast with me and i and he just was like i lost interest in it it's all he's like it's all it's all good or whatever and i was like all right cool man i mean i'm i'll do it i don't really care and I'm gonna try and do a podcast at nationals. So if you were trying to be on the one at nationals, let me know. And I'm I'm doing all kinds of stuff because I want to gather as much information from this experience as much as possible. And I also want to give USQ a reason to not ever move it from Texas ever again. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah, I want them to the not put it in random places. That's that's the plan.
0: Yep, that's that's a good plan. I like that. Oh, man. Well, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, man. Um, any last words for the audience, for the listener?
1: Um, go like the Houston Cosmos on Twitter. and uh, Actually, go follow us on Twitter. Just type in Houston Cosmos. Go follow us on Instagram, same thing. Um, go like us on Facebook. And sign up for TSL. Don't be that guy. Uh, don't be that gal. <laughs> sign up for Texas to see Lee and uh, if you're in the Victoria area, go play Quidditch with the Victoria Spartans. So, oh, yeah, make sure you guys go out and buy Anna's book, Love Sugar Magic. She worked really hard on it, and uh, everybody on my team says it's really good. I have yet to be in a position where I can actually buy a copy. I've been around Anna twice, and she's always out of her own book because so many people are buying that's it. So make sure you go out there and buy it.
0: That's how you know it's good.
1: All that all that good stuff. appreciate you having me on, Alejo. I really do, man. I appreciate it
0: man thank you for coming on i really appreciate it uh you coming on making the time for it and uh i uh i think that we uh i think we made some good stuff here i'm looking forward to to people hearing it so thank you again
1: no doubt man Uh, i'll see you at Nashville. yeah we're testing the app for our website and it's just like super annoying cuz safari is like so different than all the other internet explorers and they're just like all right we need somebody to test safari like do everything that we normally do but like on safari and i was just like and it, like it's they, like you have to submit bugs and it was like they submitted 75 bugs just <laughs> safari alone and they were just like this this piece of shit <laughs> <laughs>